when it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Mesa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Hi, my name is Joe Mesa. I'm a lawyer and I'm also a big football fan. I'm a 25-year Eagles season ticket holder and there's a new post-game show in town. Welcome to the live post-game show with Derek Gunn, Mark Farzetta, Devin Caney, John McMullen, and the best right tackle in football, Lane Johnson. Never doubted him for a minute right there, everybody. Uh, Eagles get the victory. Welcome into live post-game show presented by Ocean Casino Resort. My name is Mark Farzetta. We got uh, Derek Gunn right there. We got Devin Caney as well. Trey Thomas will be joining us a little bit later in the show. John McMullen from the stadium will be joining us as well. Um, so here was what I was thinking about three and a half quarters through the through the game here there, guys. Uh, I was thinking, man, this is a really dumb football team. I mean, defense <laughs> is bouncing back. They're looking yeah. good. They're looking strong. They got momentum going. I'm seeing a guy like Janelle Avery actually make plays for this Eagles team for the first time in his Eagles career. And I'm actually thinking, hey, Jonathan Gannon, way to go, buddy. You've done a nice job with your defense mm -hmm. and bouncing back this week. And then everything nice I could say about the Eagles' defense, I could say the exact opposite about the Eagles' offense. <laughs> no fluidity. Yep. Jalen Hurts way off his targets. Guys dropping balls. Offensive linemen making mistakes. Uh, illegal man downfield. Uh, holding penalty. Whatever it was, it was always a mistake by the Eagles' offense. And it was something they were doing to themselves. It wasn't something that the Carolina Panthers were doing to force them into any type of mistake as my microphone freaks out. Uh, but as I'm watching this game, I needed something to happen to make this make this a win for the Eagles. I had picked the Eagles to win this game, and then lo and behold, after the Eagles can't concur convert a fourth down on a play that I put on Jalen Hurts more so than I put on Zach Ertz. Sure, it might be a drop in the Eagles' book, but Jalen Hurts has to put that ball on target. He didn't do that. Defense steps up again, makes a huge play. They don't allow the uh, Panthers to convert on a third down situation. Then the, the, the defense steps up, your punt team steps up with a blocked punt, handing a beautiful gift to the Eagles offense. They convert it for not six, but eight points, take a huge lead, and they're able to seal the deal after that. Up until then, up until then, we had a lot of worries about this team, and it wasn't actually until later they got the eight points and the two-point conversion. But, mm -hmm. hey, I'll take it however we get it. For me, that was all they needed. I give this game ball. I'm going to start with it right now. Gunner, I look at this team and I say the difference in this game was the defense throughout, but the turning point of this game, no doubt, was that block punt. Um, I definitely give credit to the defense for this win. Um, they very easily could have folded because the offense wasn't giving them much of anything. I mean, up until late third quarter, the offense had less than 100 yards of offense 
And that was because of back-to-back sacks by Hassan Reddick, who just abused Jordan Malata <laughs> on back-to-back plays. Um, but they hung in there. And, you know, you're right. The, the, the block was huge, but it could have been a lot worse. And, you know, if they had been up against a much more formidable offense, it, it could have been worse. But Sam Darnold uh, turned out to be uh, the Sam Darnold of old. He telegraphed three picks. Uh, kudos to the defense, uh, Darius Slay for two of them, Steve Nelson for one huge pick as well. Uh, it could have gone really bad, you know, and they held this Carolina team to one touchdown. Um, you know, when this thing could have been blown, you know, it was what, 15 to three at one point? Mm-hmm. Uh, it could have, they could have got blown out, you know, and, you mm-hmm. know, we'd have been sitting here. It's been so long since we've talked about an Eagles win. I don't know how to act right now, to be honest. You know? <laughs> and, you know, c- considering, how they won this game and the way this game played itself out. <laughs> I'm still trying to piece this thing together. Yeah, a lot of emotions, Devin. A lot of emotions in today's emotions. game. Like I was all I was all set to do one post-game show, and then another post-game show yeah. broke out all of a sudden. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I was gonna say, like, I think we all just need to take a second, take a beat, like let's backpedal a little bit, let's all take a deep breath. <laughs> I you know, because you like like for full transparency for everyone tuning in, like we usually hop on this. I don't know, with like three, five, three minutes left in the game. And right. I have thought I still am like collecting myself. I'm sweating. I went through such a roller coaster of emotions this game. I literally went from even in the third quarter, I think was the lowest point when I was just like, it's done. <laughs> this season's done. Like not just the game, the season. This is embarrassing. Nick Sirianni's one and done. He's got to go to all of a sudden now I'm like okay well we gotta win we can be three and three we can beat Tom Brady in the Bucks. we all know the Eagles have some way of getting in Tom Brady's head I'm getting ahead of myself here though but I do think we all like I, I need to like take a deep breath here because I was pacing around my apartment I feel like we just hopped on this call and uh, I'm not used to to talking about a win even though we still have many negatives to discuss I will say um yeah there's a lot there's, there's a whole lot to unpack from this game, I think we can all say that. I think that's the word. Let's the enjoy phrase. the yeah. win. A lot to unpack. Mm. Enjoy uh, the win. I, I, I will, yeah, I will say this though. I, I'm not surprised the Eagles' offense struggled because the teeth of this Carolina team is its defense. Even though they had some problems uh, health-wise on the on the back end of the secondary, mm-hmm. um, they're they're a very good defensive team. The offense they've carried this offense for most of this season and. You know, it took Sirianni a good while to figure out uh, what they were doing exactly. And, you know, I said coming into this game, I said I tweeted a couple of days ago that, you know, of the next three games, this was probably the game the Eagles had the best opportunity to win a game in, but they were going to earn this one. I mean, they had, what, 273 yards of offense, and they earned every bit of this because, like you said, they did, they did shoot themselves in the foot uh, a number of times. But Carolina gave them fits. I mean, Carolina plays a lot of man defense. And, you know, you look at how many times Jalen Hurts threw the ball out of, out of bounds because nobody was open for the most part. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all of a sudden I'm thinking, what are we going to say differently about an Eagles loss that we haven't said the previous three weeks? Right. You know, right. and lo and behold, you know, the defense makes big stops on, on third down, fourth down. They get the you know special teams chips in. And finally, somehow, some way, on that go-ahead touchdown for the Eagles, I cannot believe three Carolina f- players went with the with the fake right. to the running back, and that one guy stayed out in the flats waiting for Hertz to, to swing out in the flats, and he just walked it into the end zone. Hey, Mark, you, even you with no hamstrings could have walked that one into the end zone. <laughs> no, I, was, 
That's a fair point. That is a fair point. Yeah. But you know what yeah. I thought on that? And you're not wrong. Uh, but you know what yeah. I thought on that, Gunner? What? That's why you run the football because they had actually run the football a couple of times on that drive and they yep. ran it with Miles Sanders. So if you make the defense think that, oh my goodness, your running yep. back can run the football, maybe right. they'll actually right. defend against that run, which actually opened up that lane for the outside for Jalen Hurts. So I, I loved seeing that. I loved every ounce of seeing that. But the other thing is, you said, and I, I, this is exactly what popped in my head. <laughs> and Devin, maybe you're on the same page as me here, but. Gunner, when you said what were you going to say after this loss, I'll tell you, you know, if it, if it was a loss. Here's something we haven't said in two weeks. Right. Hey, how about that defense? Yeah. The defense was <laughs> yeah. playing great yeah. Yeah. throughout this particular game, getting turnovers. You had three interceptions. You had some sacks. Fletcher Cox got in the backfield for a sack as well. I, I mentioned Fletcher who? Fletcher Cox. Your boy, Fletcher Cox. See, when, when you taught people, Derek Gunn, they respond. Well, here, here's mm -hmm. the thing. Here's, here's, the funny, here's the funny thing about that. Now, I'm not the only one, you know, basically everybody in the media um, was chastising Fletcher Cox. And, you know, I know I don't know how well you guys know, but Fletcher Cox is a very sensitive individual to the point. I, I guess that. Jeff Jeff McClain wrote something last week. Jeff McClain of the Philadelphia Inquirer wrote something and he wanted to talk to Fletcher Cox and Fletcher wouldn't talk to him last week. And so I'm thinking, OK, I don't care if Fletcher ever talks to me again. I could care less, you mm. know. Uh, you know, it's my job just to critique what I see, you know, sure. whether he likes it or not. Be honest. But but finally, you know, it took him five games, but he finally made a definitive play. And I'm happy <laughs> for him. I'm yeah. happy for him. He that, got that, $100 million. That scares me, though. I didn't know he was so sensitive because I actually oh, yeah. talked to John McMullen on my podcast earlier right. this week and, right. and who John, we're going to have John on the show in a little bit. But he kind of said that Fletcher just isn't happy with the defensive scheme. And that's why he's not performing. And right. he's a little bit disgruntled and it doesn't work for him. And basically didn't really speak too positively. Now, I highly doubt Fletcher Cox listened to that. But if he saw it on Twitter, um, I, I apologize. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no hard feelings. You made he, up for it this game, I suppose. He, he's fine. He, I think I think he'll be yeah, all right. But, but I'll say this. Other than the, the sack play, there were oh. other plays, plenty of plays in this game where I did see him double team. And I saw him not necessarily beat the double team, but get a little bit of pressure. But the bottom line is he responded in this game. The defense responded phenomenally well in this game. And I felt about Jonathan Gannon's defense the same way I felt about Nick Sirianni's offense when they came out last week. I thought that there was a lot more creativity to the game plan. You saw a lot more motion. You saw a lot more throws closer to the line of scrimmage to give Jalen Hurts a chance. That was last week. Now, this week, I didn't see a whole lot of that. I saw a lot of plays that were still around the line of scrimmage. I still didn't see a lot of pre-snap motion when it came to this particular game. Uh, and I saw a lot of struggles just overall when you speak about this team offensively. But again, to go back to the defense, you see Darius Slay come up and give the Eagles offense the ball deep in the red zone on that interception. Right. They couldn't punch it in for the touchdown. Well, yeah, they did yeah. punch it in for the touchdown. Another penalty took another Eagles touchdown off the board, and you thought you were going to be in store for this throughout the game. Penalty-wise, yes, still a problem. But in this particular game, big shout-out to the Eagles. They weren't the most penalized team in this game. The no. Carolina Panthers, I believe, had three or four more penalties than they did from start to finish of this game. But when push came to shove, when the opportunity was finally presented to the Eagles at the end of this game to really take control, they were able to do that for a couple of reasons. One, their defense really stepped up as they did through four quarters of this game, so kudos to them. The other was that blocked punt. That was the ultimate turning mm -hmm. point. The Eagles took advantage of that with the touchdown. Jalen Hurts, from that point on, 
was was pretty stellar. From that point on, late in the game, after three quarters of really struggling, turned it on in the second half of the fourth quarter. And, hey, look, you can look bad for three and a half quarters as long as you look really good at the end of the fourth quarter. And that's exactly mm-hmm. how this game kind of played out. But I, I want to talk about this because this is the, the – intro. oh, wait, we oh, – all right, I'm being told our guest is ready. Our okay. first guest of the show is going to be joining us right now. Uh, Trey Thomas. Jordan, look there at, he is. Look at this handsome man. Yeah. Hey, what's going on, man? How you guys doing? Uh, <laughs> how you doing, man? Man, I'm fantastic. Just down here in Anna Maria Island, you know, just hanging out. We don't want to know all that. We don't know about right your, son, your son and fun and yeah, all that. We I'm don't at, care about that. Yeah, I, I'm at Slim, Slim's place right now, man, watching the game, man. It's a true Eagles bar down here. The fans have been out of control. It's been awesome, man. I'm just enjoying myself. What's going on? I, I, we're talk we're trying to un- Why are you looking like that, D-Gun? Don't, don't be so sad. <laughs> be happy for me, Doc. Don't be like that. <laughs> no, because you're rubbing it in. I should be down there in the sun, and you're just rubbing it in. I mean, it's dreary up here. It's in the 60s. I'm miserable, uh, man. man. It's, you're down here. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful day. Beautiful. Yeah, right now, it's probably about 84. You know, I took the Did I ask you that? Did I ask you that? <laughs> So I'm just hanging out, man. It's just a beautiful day. Beautiful day. Did I ask Let's talk about it, man. We got a win, dude. Let's talk about a win. Let's talk about a oh win. Let's goodness. talk about a win. I almost want to put the, the Eagles on the way back burner for the next 10 minutes. Uh, but 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 in all seriousness, brother, you're looking at this game tonight. You're having fun. You're at an Eagles bar. I'm sure the mood at the bar was the exact same way it was throughout the Delaware Valley watching this game. And then they pull it out. As a player, how do you look at this game from a locker room perspective? Do you go, oh, look at all the great things we did, or, hey, we got a lot of stuff we still have to tighten up? How do you look at this game from a player's perspective? Of course. I think that you're always going to look at it as, hey, man, we got a lot of things that we have to continue to tighten up. But, I mean, you know, this was a beautiful win. For you to go out there, go on the yeah. road, come yeah. out of there with a big win, you need that. Anytime you can walk out of this game with a win, that's yeah. all good. It doesn't always have to be pretty. We came out of this thing with a win. Let's get now. You have something at least that you can have to build on. Mm-hmm. Hey Trey, give me your general perspective because I know that you keep up with the Eagles like a lot of your former teammates do, and I know you've watched them whether the entire games or bits and pieces of all five games. But you, but you look at this team, and I understand it's a young team, new coaching staff, a lot of inexperience. But you, you look at this team, and it's always something that shoots themselves in the foot. And, you know, I know when you first came here, this was a a team that was rebuilding under Andy Reid. And you guys had a lot of downs before you had the ups. Is this team in any way comparable to what you had to go through as a young player when you first got to Philadelphia? Yeah, I think so. Anytime you have a new coaching staff that comes in, there's going to be some changeover. I mean, you know, it's going to take a little while to get used to the system. Everybody, you have to start figuring out who your leaders are on the group because you always have some new guys coming in and some new guys emerging as stepping up and being that voice within the locker room. And then it's just a change in everything, the, the, the calls, the different plays that you're running, whatever else that's going on with the system, all of that has to kind of feed into each other. So I think that these guys are still trying to learn what, what, what's being required and what, what they need to do to get a win. Do you think that's been kind of impacting the older players on the team who aren't used to both the defensive and offensive schemes that these newer coaches are implementing? Well, when you look at some of the defensive stuff that's going on, when you look at the defensive side of the ball, you see a lot of five down front. You know what I'm saying? So you have a a five down where you're going to have five defensive linemen 
where you might have three defensive linemen, two outside linebackers that are pretty much defensive ends anyway, and you only have one linebacker in the middle. Of them. So if you get pushed, that's going to create a problem. That's why you keep seeing some of these big gash runs right up the middle of our defense. So, of course, that's going to take a little while to make some adjustments because when you play that way, everybody has to be extremely disciplined in their gaps. You know, so, you know, if you have an offensive line that can get out there and get good push and it creates these lanes for the running backs, you know, you start seeing guys starting to overcompensate or trying to trying to make a play, but then you start opening up certain areas on the defense. So you see that a little bit on the defensive side of the ball. On the offense, I mean, you know, it's all still the same stuff. I mean, you're struggling with being able to run the ball. You know, I think that towards the end of the game, you start getting a little bit of just some um, – you start seeing the quarterback, you know, start seeing Hurts be able to run some of these quarterback keepers out of the back, you know, when most of the time the defense that we're playing against, they're playing us in nickel a lot of times. So you're going to get four deep down, deep down linemen and two interior linebackers. So, you know, you try to start to find which way can you run the inside zones and we just run opposite a lot of the times and it creates problems. Uh, Trey, first off, I, I appreciate you got you coming on with us. I know we got to let you go soon, but I got two two for you. One quick one and one longer one. Because I also don't want to keep you from your rosé. I know how oh, you do. Oh, oh I do. Um, I want to keep you from yeah, don't uh, be like that, D-Gun, man. Be happy for me, man. Stop being like that. Uh, Andre Dillard stayed at left tackle. Jordan Mailata moved over to right tackle. Would you have made that same switch? Uh, no. Uh, yeah, you know okay. what? Like, Jordan... You know, just because, man, making that switch is not, not easy, man. You know, a lot of people just say, oh, man, he plays offensive line. Just go out there and switch. All right, you know, it's not what you think. You know, it, it's a lot harder than what you're thinking. I mean, you know, the two sacks that he gave up, if he were on the other side, I don't think would happen. You know, uh, just because, you know, at some point, and I don't care. Like, right now, what, they're, what, six games in, five, five or six games in? You're still not practicing the way you should to get the reps and the muscle memory that's needed for you to be to be able to make that switch so quick. You know, the thing that makes it comfortable for us at left tackle or even whatever side is because you're used to being on that side. The muscle memory that just builds up. So the sacks that were given up, I mean, the guy was laid off the ball on one. The second one, he got stretched out. He, you know, got a little bit off balance. You know, a lot of you know which hand he needs to use. Um, plays into it. We start switching sides, and I think that that's just what happened on a couple of those sacks. And then when you know one of the other sacks, I think they showed it was Kelsey's um, silent count has always been a problem. Sometimes just because it's a little sporadic, and you saw right there uh, on the second sack that everybody was laid off the ball. Kelsey was the yep. only one moving, and whenever yep. that happens, you can expect something bad to happen. Mm. Yeah. Uh Trey, I really appreciate you, brother. Thanks for coming on, man. Get back to that role. Oh, you have another one? I got got one more for you, Trey, and it's along the offensive line because I've talked to offensive linemen and players in general about this. Is it more of a psychological thing when you ask a player to switch? I mean, whether it's a wide receiver, sometimes it's a cornerback. Some cornerbacks say they'd rather play the right side instead of the left side. Andre Dillard made it known that he was more comfortable playing on the left side more so than the right side. Is it base? Is it is it is it physical or more mental in terms of making those type of adjustments? I think it's physical. You know, just because you know the mental aspect of it is going to come as you get comfortable. You know, more confidence you get with it. But I think that you know once you go from left to right, because a lot of times this is the problem, and that you see, especially in college and even in high school right now, right. a lot of guys start on one side and only play one side. That's all they've ever done, and you don't understand like when you switch sides. You know, that's that's a, a lot that happens. Okay, so if I'm at the left tackle, 
I'm used to always throwing my right hand first. I always want to mm-hmm. throw my right hand first because you want to treat it like a boxer. You're in a left-handed stance. So you want to throw out inside, inside hand, inside hand. Then you only throw your outside hand if you really need it. You never want to throw your outside hand first. Well, now if you switch over to the right and I'm used to throwing my right hand, now I'm on the right side of the field and now my right side hand is my outside hand. And if I yeah. throw that hand out of habit and you have a defensive end that understands how to clean hands, I have nothing else to battle with. All he's going to do is clean my outside hand. He's going to take the corner and that's a sack, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, that's pretty much what happened to Jordan on that first sack that he gave up is that the guy took that outside hand. His his feet were a little messed up. He opened his outside foot a little too much. That hip collapsed, just created the edge, and then now there you go. He's on the way to the quarterback, and there's nothing you can do about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's no. unfortunate, my friend. Uh, Trey, we again. We got to win. We got this win. That's right. That's right. Let's fly. A fly okay. Eagles fly, ladies and gentlemen. The pride, not only uh, the Eagles Hall of Famer coming up in just a couple of weeks, uh, there, my friend, but also the pride of IMG Academy, coach of that offensive yes. line, Trey Look Thomas. Thank weather down here, man. It is well, see, see, see what I mean? See that? Yeah. See that's why I don't like him right now. See? Yeah, right. That's he's the best. I love that guy. Love that guy. <laughs> uh, look, even even through the audio, even through the audio, just just fighting his way through as he as he always does. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're gonna be back in just a minute with some more live post game show coming up in just a minute. We're also gonna talk to John McMullen a little bit later in the show. Get the latest from the Eagles locker room. Nick Sirianni's reaction to this game. We're gonna cover the whole gambit as per usual with the Eagles. A- an amazing late fourth quarter comeback to get their second win of the season and the second win of the Jalen Hurts-Nick Sirianni era. We're going to be back right here on the live postgame show coming up in a minute, exclusively presented by Ocean Casino Resort. Book your next weekend at Ocean Casino and go for the win. We'll be back in a minute. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want, or don't. Go for him, go for her, go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, 
and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at MessaLaw.com. Messa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. The live postgame show is powered by IBEW Local 98. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Welcome back. Live post game show. You know, he was having the time of his life at that Eagles bar, right? Oh, like we, 100%, there's no, yes. There's no doubt. You know what I, you know what I do miss? And, and, and obviously this is part of the pandemic is, is being at a bar, enjoying some fine stateside vodka. And, uh, and, uh, you know, uh, the, the eruption of the crowd at the bar while watching an away game. I can't imagine mm-hmm. what it was like. You know, please feel free if you guys are watching us on the way home where somebody else is driving, obviously. Um, yeah. uh, you know, this, please, by all means, hit us up in the comments and let us know what's what as far as what it was like where you were at watching this game. Because if you're monitoring social media, which we all do, it was, oh, this play stinks. Sirianni can't call plays. Hurts is inaccurate, whatever. It's just, it's a whole day of negativity. And then mm-hmm. the the, pull, you know, the end of the game happens and everyone is excited. Everyone's throwing their arms up in the air. You hear what Trey had to say about it from a player's perspective as far as going into the locker room feeling. You went on the road. You got a tough victory. You found mm-hmm. a way to win the game. Mm-hmm. So when you think about it from that perspective, that's what the Eagles are coming back to Philadelphia with, riding that high on a quick turnaround. That's got to help the week on a short week feel all the better when you're going up against a tough opponent on a Thursday night, for instance. Well, that's why this game, this win was so important, in my opinion, because uh, just in the break, I'm talking to my mom when she's like, I'm almost emotional over this. Like, Because it was looking really bleak. It was looking really bleak. If you scroll Twitter, like you mentioned, I wasn't at a bar, but I'm sure they were pretty quiet there for a while. Because to go, you know, losing this many games straight, the season, it's, it's not looking very hopeful. And I think this win kind of, I'm not saying it's going to turn our season around and the Eagles are going to go on to win the rest of our games, but I do think uh, it was a season saver in a way of morale. You know, we needed this. The fans needed this. And I think the players needed it too. Yeah, see, in situations like this, when you've dropped three in a row the way the Eagles have, there's a certain psyche that builds up to where when things are going bad, we can just roll over and play dead because we can't get, get anything done. It's not going to happen for us, especially with a new coach and the coaching staff. But for Nick Sirianni uh, and his coaching staff, it showed them that if you stick together, we can find a way to get things done. All we need is a few things to go our way, which happened with interceptions and then a block punt for the mm-hmm. players themselves. Uh, basic, basically, it gets them one game closer to 500. You know, it's still a lot of football to be played. It's a morale builder, a character builder, especially for a, y- a lot of younger guys who haven't been in situations like this. Now, the two previous games, they couldn't overcome those deficits. They had their chances against Dallas. They had their chances against Kansas City. 
and they fail to convert. And they had their chances earlier in this game, and it looked like the same old game that we were watching with Dallas and Kansas City. But all of a sudden, the tide turned. The defense kept making plays. The offense, even though it was sputtering, all of a sudden it hits one big play. You get that big play, 54-yard pass to Quez Watkins. Mm -hmm. You get momentum to swing your way. And all of a sudden, when you get in that locker room, just like Trey says, you realize under a new coaching staff with a bunch of new players, new direction, that if we stick together, no matter how adverse the situation may be, we can find a way to pull these close games out. See, they haven't been able to pull a close game out yet. You know, mm-hmm. their, their lone win was a blowout against Arizona. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean against Atlanta. Right. Um, and then all of a sudden after that, they didn't overcome the hump against San Francisco, so on and so forth. But now against a good Carolina team that was coming off a bad loss down in Dallas and a team that has really good defense, they had to fight tooth and nail for everything they got. They didn't put up the impressive gaudy numbers they put up against Dallas, against uh, Kansas City, but they earned everything they got, and they needed their defense to chip in more so than ever before to help bail them out in this case. I got a feeling from the Eagles faithful on social media that it was a throw-your-hands-up type of moment. It was type of a moment like, like in the early stages of this game, even maybe even going into this game, some people surrendered to the idea that this is just a bad football team. What's it matter? And I made the point on Twitter that Eric, or that Eric, that uh, Zach Ertz was interfered with on a play where I thought Bouye held his head, held his arm down right. and it was clearly pass interference for whatever reason. They didn't throw the flag. I thought Ertz right. got up and he was kind of looking around. He wasn't like doing, you know, the big thing of like throw the flag, but he was still, hmm. I thought he was looking around just like, where's the flag going to be on that play? He was interfered with. So I tweeted that out, feeling like the, the the referees missed a call for the Eagles. And some of the responses to it were, uh, was it matter? Does it matter? Does it really matter? And I'm thinking, it's the, what, the second quarter of a game in a tight game against the Panthers? Hell yeah, it matters well, in a game that you're supposed to win. But I, I felt, and, and I know from what I saw on Twitter and social media, a lot of other people felt this way. Even though I think we narrowed the lead to just two points, it still felt like they had like a 20-point lead. Right, because right. that's how dominant they were for most of this game right, up right. until things changed in the fourth quarter, truly. Uh, so I, I kind of get both sides there. Like it was, I felt very like, there's no point. Like I, I do, I even need to watch the rest of this. Uh, and I think that's why it was such an emotional roller coaster for Ooh. me. And I'm still a little bit in shock that we got to win. That well, sounds like a, that sounds like a great bit. We need to do maybe, maybe you get, maybe we'll do it Thursday night. Maybe we'll do it against the bucks. Gunner. We'll just like, if it's a right. bad game, Devin, right, just turn right. it off and we'll say, we'll play a game called guess what happened. <laughs> There you go. Well, I am such like a typical psycho Eagles fan where I won't turn it off because I literally can't, but I'll like, I won't watch it. Like I'll get up, like I'll be pacing around my apartment. I'll be like crouched down, just like closing my eyes. Sometimes I'll plug my ears when it's like a big play or a big, you know, third down conversion and it works sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Typical superstitious Eagles fan. I can't believe I'm admitting this right now. I think, I think we all agree. It's Philadelphia. There's no middle ground. Mm-hmm. We go oh, no. from one extreme to the other. Uh-huh. And for the most part, I can't blame them for the way they felt for most of that game because this game was playing itself out the same way the previous games were. Miscues, throws, overthrows, drop passes. Hey, even Jason Kelsey hiked one over the quarterback's head. Safe. <laughs> and so you're thinking, here we go. Okay. You know, let's just sit back. Let's find, Let's go shopping. Yeah. You know, let's go to the mall. <laughs> hey, what movie's playing right now that we can go watch? I don't want to watch this mess. You know, yeah. so I understand the, the sentiment behind a lot of the fans, you know. But for those who, who stuck around, they got a rare treat 
up until this mm-hmm. point of the season. They got a rare treat. I like they that. saw this team rally and pull out a win. Now, mm-hmm. I don't know what's going to happen on Thursday night. I have a good idea what might happen on Thursday night, but that's why you play the – hey, look, the Giants went down to New Orleans and won a game. So yeah. who's to say the Eagles can't beat Tampa Bay? I mean, well, well if I'm a betting man, I know where I'm putting my money, but, you know, <laughs> yeah, you right. just never okay. know. Okay. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here. I want to still focus on this win today, but I will say the Eagles have a way of getting in Tom Brady's head historically, no matter who he <laughs> plays for. I believe that theory. It's mm. not scientifically proven, but it's my personal theory. So, uh, Yeah, I mean, we found out uh, when he beat the Patriots in Foxborough. What was one of the first things he said after the game? Everyone knows I can't catch. You saw what happened against the Eagles in the Super Bowl. Yeah, Rent-free. Yep. Rent-free. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as the most consistent, optimistic thing to look at this game, yeah. it was Jonathan Gannon and Jonathan Gannon's defense. They were, mm-hmm. hey, look, they yeah. right place, right time, making yes. plays yeah. to the point where Slay got two interceptions, and he also had uh, Wilson have two or one interception as well. Nelson, you had a sack yeah. by Fletcher. Yeah. Nelson, excuse me. Yeah. Nelson had an interception as well. You also had Fletcher Cox in the backfield. Javon Hargrave continued this solid season. I mentioned Jannard Avery coming out with a good game. Uh, you had big plays made consistently by the defensive side of the ball. Gunnar, I want to ask you this question. What did you notice that was an adjustment or a change in Jonathan Gannon's scheme in this game that we really hadn't seen in the previous games leading up to this point? I don't think there was much of a change. I think basically they played their positions better. I think they were where they were supposed to be in a lot of cases. You know, I think when you look at the previous two games, they were out of position in a lot of ways, and they were getting gouged, especially in the running game. I think they maintained gap control a lot better. I mean, Carolina as a team still ran for over 100 yards. The kid Hubbard had a 100-yard day, but it wasn't a 200-yard rushing day. And when they needed a necessary stop on the ground, unlike the previous two games, when they couldn't get that rushing stop when they needed it, they got it time and time again in this game, which was a big difference. So I think the players uh, bowed up and played much more focused games than they did the previous two games. And, you know, if they can continue to do that, Maybe Gannon's defense isn't as bad as we said it is, but I still have a problem with what he said last week when he said, I don't have a scheme, I have a philosophy. And I'm thinking, (laughs) wait a minute, coaches have schemes. You know, there's certain schematics that you you incorporate Mm. week in and week out. Now, it varies opponent to opponent, but you have a basic scheme that you start a game with. But to hear a coordinator say, I don't have a scheme, I have a philosophy, and I'm thinking, you need to revamp that philosophy because what you're doing is not working. Now, the philosophy worked today, and again, it's because I believe the players played their positions a lot better than they did the previous two games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, But they, the, our run defense does still concern me. I do have to shout it out does. Darius Slay because, yeah. in my opinion, uh, he had, aside from the block punt, that was his two interceptions were – Amazing. And he had a good game. I felt like for the first time he was fully, you know, leaning into his position despite Jonathan Gannon's defensive scheme, not really fitting Darius Slay's particular skill set. I don't know if that was intentional, if maybe going into the game, they worked on that, or I know he just had a baby. Maybe he had some good juju going, but something was working and he was finally living up to his uh, big play Slay nickname this game. I will say this. I don't, I don't think too many people have a baby and then find more energy. I don't think that usually happens. <laughs> yeah. I think it's usually yeah. like, oh, God. Uh. No, um, but uh, I, I will say this. <laughs> I will say this. Uh, when, it, when it comes to the defense overall, I, I, I mean, Gunnar, you were saying it last week. Throughout the week, I talked to uh, Gary Cobb. I talked mm-hmm. to Hollis Thomas. Yeah. Talked to him. Talked to those guys. And all of them to a man, Gunnar, you t- 
it comes down to motivation when it comes yeah. to a player like Fletcher Cox. Yeah. And you can talk about scheme all you want. And I hated when Jonathan Gannon said, I really don't have a scheme. Like that didn't make any sense. Like to me, that was similar to like Chip Kelly saying the clock doesn't matter. And I'm thinking, are we not still in life? Time matters for everything. But anyway, uh, when you look at the way Fletcher Cox played this game, I have no doubt in my mind that he found motivation in the people that were critiquing him, doubting him, and just thinking he was flat out done. And you know what? If that's what you need, by all means, go for it. If that's what you need to light the fire to become that Pro Bowl player we know he can be, by all means, have at it. He definitely played this game with an edge. There were more one-on-one -on -one battles that I saw him have in this game that he actually won and wasn't passive like we saw against the six-round pick that he was up against last week and couldn't find a way to beat him. This particular time, not only was he able to get in the backfield for a tackle for loss, I believe he had. I know he had the sack. But then you also saw him make some pressures on run plays, on pass plays. He was getting it done, as far as I was concerned, at that position, more so than he had done in the previous three games combined, or four games combined. So to see right. him come out and do it the way he did it today showed me that he can still get that edge again. He can still have that fire that we have seen him have in the past. If we get, if, if the Eagles get this version of Fletcher Cox for the rest of the season, you better start to watch out if you're an opposing team. Probably not going to amount to wins over the next couple of weeks, but at least you'll know that you'll be able to get pressure and relying on the guy that's a big money guy. He'll be the guy hopefully making plays on a consistent basis. Look, you look at this game, maybe this is the turning point for Fletcher Cox, but he's got to be able to make this happen for the next consecutive however many weeks if the Eagles are going to have a chance, even a chance, to get their third win of the season before the easy part of the schedule that comes in when you're playing the second, you know, playing the uh, NFC East to you know wind down the season. So you're saying we should just right. be mean to Fletcher Cox? For just shame him, absolutely. Tweet him, absolutely. Just call him terrible, overrated, tick, overpaid, tick, everything. Tick him, tick him off every chance you get. Yeah, exactly. It, it, but I've, I've always said, if you play the game at this level, when you think most of these guys have gone from Papa Warner to high school to college to pros just to get this chance to fulfill a dream to be one of the chosen few 16 1700 players to put on an nfl uniform then you're playing the wrong game if you need extra motivation your motivation should be number one you're putting on a professional uniform number two you're being paid handsomely for your efforts and when you're making when you're the highest paid player on a team that should be motivation in itself when you're sacrificing your body every day you know you're, you're injuring your body you're injuring you, you know your mind in a lot of ways and you've elevated yourself to the highest paid player on a team, that should be enough motivation. When you put your hand in the dirt and you line up across an opponent uh, to want to win a battle uh, every time the ball snapped, that should be your own motivation. But, you know, such is, the, such is the nature, not just in football, but in any sport. You know, for some reason, some players need bulletin board material to get jacked up for a game. Some people need to be chastised and beat down verbally to get jacked up for a game. And if Fletcher Cox is one of those guys, then so be it. Then let's all rally around the cause, fan base, media alike, and tick Fletcher Cox off every chance we get to get him to play up to the capability uh, that we know he's capable of playing. I understand he's a little bit older. I understand his body has been beaten and battered like a lot of players are. But you're also paid as one of the better players at your position to play this game. And you look at a lot of other D tackles around the league, and I'm not going to compare him to Aaron Donald because Aaron Donald is a completely different beast. Mm -hmm. You know, he's, he, there's Aaron Donald, and then there's everybody else playing defensive tackle in the National Football League. But there are a lot of upper echelon D tackles that find ways to make plays.
And I don't care if you're getting double teamed. You got to find a way to make a play. That's what you're getting paid to do. So the fact that you were in the witness protection program for the last three weeks and you didn't make a play, yes, I said it. Keep it coming. And, and, and Keep I know it coming. this show. I know this show used that on Twitter on a number of occasions, and people picked up on it. You know, if you were in a witness protection program and we nowhere to be found, but all of a sudden, whatever I might have said or other writers have said motivated you to, to come out there and play the way you're capable of playing this, so be it then I will continue to find ways to get under your skin to make that happen. Uh, just for the record, Trey just uh, tweeted a photo and a video of where he was. He was having fun. He was he having did. fun. So uh, just to confirm, just to confirm, just, you know, per reports, he confirmed. Um, also, I, I will say this also, uh, offensively speaking, we talked about the defense just there, Gunner. I thought that was a great point as far as the players actually being in the right position to make those plays. Right. That's right. exactly what you wanted to see from this team. So right. I was happy to see that. On the other side of things here, when you're looking at how this team is playing, uh, I'm looking at the way on offense Jalen Hurts was in throwing the football. Mm-hmm. And we have to we've, – we've talked about penalties. Uh, we've talked about just making bad plays. But there's a couple of things that are really sticking out to me from the way Jalen Hurts played this game through three and a half quarters. He gets a free play. I want to say it was in the third quarter – second right. quarter. right. right. And he rolls to his right to buy yep. time to make a play downfield. Yep. And he throws the ball at least five yards out of bounds. Out of bounds, yes. How do you not just wing it to the middle of the field? Even, like that, even that's a better yeah. play yeah. than throwing it out. The other play that was just what the hell's happening was the play that you mentioned earlier, Gunner, where they snapped the ball at their own 16-yard line and took a safety on it because it was a bad snap. But Jalen Hurts tried to initially pick the football up in the middle of the end zone, and instead of either falling on it or just smacking it out of bounds, which eventually is what happened to the ball anyway, for the safety. And then the other one is the crucial play that you could a little bit put up, put on Zach Ertz, the fourth and four play, but that was a clean pocket Jalen Hurts had in front of him. They were only rushing four players on that anyway. There was no blitz. He had all the time in the world. And he misfired to Zach Hurts. Those were three plays that I looked at from Jalen Hurts. And I said, uh, rookie, first year as a starter. What is it now? His ninth start at the NFL level? Is that, uh, is eighth that, start at the NFL yeah. level. You got to make that throw. So those were three plays that I looked at from Jalen Hurts. That I Oh, and also the overthrow that was the interception to Zach Hurts running down the sideline. That Those were four plays that I looked at with Jalen Hurts. And I'm like, can't do that. Can't do that. And then, obviously, the special teams play, the way the defense played, put the offense in a position to help win this football game, which they did do. Well, I put all everything that you just said, I put in a category of a young player who's still evolving, okay? Mm. You're right. It's ninth. This was his ninth professional start, okay? You played nine games, but four of them were in different systems. So you're still a rookie. You haven't had a full season under your belt. Mm -hmm. And everything that you just said, they're veteran quarterbacks, quarterbacks who are pro bowlers who've made those same type of mistakes. Try to pick the ball up and make a play instead of falling on it or swatting it out of bounds, overthrowing receivers. It happens. Sure. You know? So it's bound to happen with a rookie player. But you hope that they can minimize those mistakes. As When you make those mistakes, the best thing you can do is look at it over and over again, talk it over and over again with your coaches and minimize that that type of mistake because it's going to happen again. There's going to be another situation where something similar or exactly the same thing is going to happen again. Did you grow from the initial mistake? How much have you improved 
from the mistake you made last time. That's the telling tale of a maturing player in the National Football League. Um, and he's going to make some more mistakes because mm-hmm. every opponent presents a different, a different element of surprise, a different type of player, a different type of scheme. He's going to make some more mistakes. But he has also shown that he's capable of having those big games. I mean, you look at what is happening to Zach Wilson with the Jets, uh-huh. quarterback. Uh-huh. You, look, you look at what is happening to Trevor Lawrence down in Jacksonville. He's already lost more games at the pro level than he lost his last two years of college. Okay, and that that's going to happen. You know, and, and people keep saying, "Well, you're still playing football." No, when you play football at the pro level compared to the college level. It's a completely different beast because even a bad team at the pro level can rise up and bite you in the backside. Whereas when you play an inferior opponent in college, you can make all the mistakes you want, but you still look good because you're going to beat the crap out of that opponent. You know, so there's a big difference here. And and those are all learning tools for Mm -hmm. a young quarterback who's still developing. And let's face it, we can't talk about this enough. This is a guy who has a lot of pressure on his shoulders because he's got to constantly look over his shoulder because he's on a game-by-game audition. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if nothing else, he's got to prove to this organization that you don't need to draft another quarterback in the first round in 2022, that I'm the guy that could be your long-term solution. Now, there's still mm-hmm. a lot of football to be played between now and the end of this season and early January, but it's going to have its highs, it's going to have its lows, and this organization is going to have to sit back when it's all said and done and Nick Sirianni and Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie and, and all their offensive coaches are going to have to have an honest conversation. Is Jalen Hurts what we need to take this offense to the next level in 2022? And that can only be answered by him riding the high and low tides of the 2021 season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sorry, Devin, did you, did you want I, to rebut? I, did. <laughs> I didn't want to interrupt you. I thought you were oh, going to say well, something. Well, I will say this. I will say this just real quick. I'll, I agree on the like the missed throws, the fourth down play. I get that one. The long ball to Zach Ertz that was just overthrown. Uh, but like the plays that you start teaching in like peewee, certainly by the time you get to Alabama, Nick Saban saying the same things. And when I hear Nick Sirianni constantly praise Alabama and Nick and um, Nick Saban and all that for the way he coaches and the product that Devontae Smith is and Jalen Hurts and all that, even though obviously he ended up in Oklahoma. I look at that that free play, and I'm thinking, how does that end up out of bounds? I'm looking at the play in the end zone, and here's where I'll agree with. The pro bowlers that we see make those plays, that's where competitive instinct takes over, and it's like, no, this play's not dead yet. I can save it. And unfortunately, it wasn't savable. But those are the plays that I I, I still expect, because I like Jalen Hurts. I want to see him do it really well, and I am rooting for him. He's an easy guy to root for. I think the mental toughness he has shown already is, is incredible, and I'm really pulling for him. But when it comes to a play like that, I expect more from any starting quarterback, anybody that even has one start under their belt, on a typical, very technical play of simply just throwing the ball. A basic play is what I'm looking for, to throw the ball in the in the field somewhere when it's free, by all means go after it. That's the only one that I'll, I'll look at and go, all right, that's the one he's got. he's still got to make. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I, I agree. Definitely had a few missed targets. Obviously, accuracy is still an issue. But what I was going to say before is not only is Jalen Hurts basically a rookie quarterback, rookie franchise quarterback thrown into this messy situation of an Eagles organization coming into this season. He has a rookie head coach, entirely new coaching staff. So he's kind of at the mercy. And now he's got musical chairs, makeshift offensive line protecting him. So he's kind of at the mercy of all these outside factors that he also doesn't have that much control over. So I think it's unfair for everyone to kind of game in and game out 
say he's the guy, he's not the guy, he's the guy. Like maybe let's let's just talk about him game by game. You know, if he has a good game, he has a good game. If he doesn't, then we'll reevaluate. But I don't think uh, I think Eagles fans, and this is just Philadelphia fans, we're all going to jump to conclusions and say he's not the guy if he makes one bad throw, has one interception. But I also think it's important for Eagles fans to keep in mind all these other outside factors, like. I'm still not sold on Nick Sirianni's coaching and his offensive, especially today, his offensive game plan. It was terrible. So uh, I just think I feel for Jalen Hurts, but I agree with you in that you, I think you said he's mentally on steroids because that's impressive to to not allow that to get to you. Like clearly even guys like Fletcher Cox do. Right. No, I I agree wholeheartedly, but I'll tell you this. He throws one more incomplete pass. I want Howie Roseman to come down to the damn football field and (laughs) cut him right there, right there on the spot. When, when, anyway. you t- when you t- when you talk about um, taking advantage of free plays, Aaron Rodgers is the best in the business at taking advantage of free plays. Aaron Rodgers wasn't that guy his first couple of years in the NFL. It's something you learn over time, and it's coaching. So Aaron Rodgers was coached to look for that little little, little detail and, and take advantage of it. And all of a sudden. You know, nobody does it than Aaron Rodgers. So mm-hmm. that's something that has to be taught and learned and coached to Jalen Hurts. When you know you have a free play, you make that play. You extend that play as long as you can to see if you can get something out of it. If nothing else, throw it deep and see if you get a pass interference play, right. anything. And even if you don't, at least it's a long punt, if nothing else. If you get right. it picked off, it's a long punt. So, you know, there's a lot of veteran quarterbacks around the league that can't do it as well as Aaron Rodgers. So why should I expect Jalen Hurst to learn it just like that? Because we haven't mm-hmm. seen him have that many opportunities of the free plays. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't come around that often, but you have to be able – you have to look for those little things. Mm-hmm. I go back to a game last week when Green Bay was playing Pittsburgh. Aaron Rodgers had the Steelers dead to rights on a free play. What did Mike Tomlin do? Mike Tomlin called a timeout real quick so Aaron Rodgers couldn't complete the play. And if you looked at the sideline camera, Mike Tomlin gives Aaron Rodgers a wink like, you, uh, you're not going to get me this time. See? Yeah. So it's, it's a game of cat and mouse. You know, mm-hmm. you had a coach who knows how to call you, get his team out of his defense out of a jam like that, and you have a player salivating as a quarterback. When he has that opportunity, all right, we're going to make something happen here. So, you know, it's a learned trait. You learn it over time. And, it, and if he gets the right coach, he'll learn it. I don't know how great he'll be at it, but he'll learn it because there's a lot of proven quarterbacks that are still not good at it. Yeah. Uh, Drew Brees used to be the king of that, and then it was Aaron Rodgers, and no he's question. been the king for about no 10 years. No and the, the thing that Aaron Rodgers has become really good at is not only using the free play, but drawing a free play by drawing yes. somebody uh, offside. Yes. Right, we're going to talk about that uh, a little bit more coming up in a second. And uh, Gunner, Devin, I, I want you guys to tell me something here. Just, just am I crazy? Well, yeah, Am I crazy? For this particular reason that we're going to get into right. that is really bothering me about Nick Sirianni and this Eagles team. We're going to get in that in a second. And we're also going to talk about one of the stars on the defensive side of the ball throughout this game that hasn't really been mentioned yet. We'll get to that. But uh, first, I do want to tell you that this show is obviously exclusively presented by Ocean Casino Resort. Book your next weekend at Ocean Casino Resort and go for the win. John McMullen will be joining us coming up in a little bit as well here on Live Post Game Show. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. 
Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. The live postgame show is powered by IBEW Local 98. Welcome back. Live post-game show presented by the great people of Stateside Vodka. See the scroll below, ladies and gentlemen, and make sure you check that out. Use code Jacob. That's code Jacob, J-A-K-I-B, for 15% off one liter bottle of Stateside Vodka. Go to statesidevodka.com and, uh, you know what, uh, have yourself a good time. Uh, here on the uh, live post-game show, Mark Farzetta, Devin Caney, Derek Gunn, John McMullen is going to be joining us from the stadium coming up in just a minute. And uh, thanks to all the people that are joining us right now on the Jacob Media YouTube channel as well as 6abc.com. Coming up, we're going to be joined by also uh, one of our fine sponsors of the program as well, so I look forward to that. Uh, so, uh, Gunner, uh, Devin, um, am I crazy? Uh, Nick Sirianni was a wide receivers coach well, th- throughout a lot of his career. He was a wide receivers coach, what, a D3 college, a wide receiver at a D3 college, uh, offensive coordinator uh, with the Indianapolis Colts as well. Mm-hmm. Well, why is it that I continue to see penalties, missteps, and mistakes by wide receivers on this football team? Case in point, another touchdown taken off the board for mm-hmm. an, a, a wide receiver that doesn't block properly on a very similar route. We saw what happened last week with J.J. Ortega. Whiteside getting called for extending his arm, which is number one, no, no, don't do that. And then we also see, who was it? Was it Quez Watkins on what would have been a Devontae Smith touchdown? Uh, no, he, uh, Greg Ward. Greg Ward. Yeah. Yeah. Greg Ward go up and try to tackle somebody. Like what? Is, yeah. How does yeah. that happen? How does this that, is like, what I this is what I was saying. I totally agree with you. Last week too, when I'm like, I'm so sick of hearing the term. I get growing pains for certain instances. Come on. But for this, it makes no sense because he was a wide. Even the the receiver stepping out of bounds, which I don't think happened. Uh, maybe at least not once this game, but still an improvement. No, no, no. But yeah, with the penalties, there's no excuse for it. And it really does just come down to coaching. Nick Sirianni has no excuse to not 
tell your players and teach them not to do that week in and week out. When that touchdown today was called back, I, that might have been when it when I when I was lost. I was like, this is I I can't do it anymore. Like you're jo- I felt like I was being pranked. It's been. <laughs> Sorry, sorry. DJ, no, no, go ahead. ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh no, no. I'm done with my rant. You, you can go. Oh, no, it's it's a combi- <laughs> it's a combination of a lack of coaching and a lack of focus. See, that wasn't a young player. That wasn't a Quez Watkins or a Devonta Smith that made the mistake. That mm-hmm. was a that was a proven NFL player in Greg Ward. He should know better. That's a lack of focus. You know what the rule is, and what makes you think you're going to get away with it, especially in a goal line situation when you're isolated like that. It's a little bit different when there's a lot of commotion in the middle. But when you're on the outside like that and the referee's standing there and he's watching four players, he's watching two receivers and two DBs in a situation like that, it makes it a lot easier for him to call. And when you blatantly commit a foul like that, when you bla- it's a little, sometimes it's a little chippy, but when that was blatant. And so that's that's mm-hmm. on Greg Ward, you right. know. And if I'm if it's wide receiver coach and a head coach, I'm calling, look, do you want to do you want to be here? Do you want to wear this uniform? What if you had done that in the fourth quarter and that could have cost us a go-ahead touchdown? You have to be smarter than that. You do. Uh, okay, a rookie making that mistake, okay, that's one thing. A player that doesn't play that much, okay, that's one thing. But for a guy who's been around the block a few blocks a few times in the National Football League, that's something you can't do. You can't be that blatant about it. Yeah, I, I was shocked to see that it was worse than J.J. Arthago Whiteside's penalty. Like, like you could almost get you make the right, you know right. benefit of the doubt almost. Hey, that's kind of how the block took him. Still not an excuse by any means. But at least you didn't try to wrap up the guy. Like, what the? Yeah. Like, you're trying to make a block in that particular play, and you go up and you basically body the guy up. You can't do that. Uh, but I consistently see this, and I go, oh, wait, hold on a second. Nick Sirianni has been on the offensive side of the ball for 16, 13 years in the NFL. How do you not, how do you not coach that up in your players? So, hey, look, I know we can talk about scheme a lot as this, uh, you know, a game as we unfold, as this game continues to get unpacked. But, man, just when it comes to those little technical things from wide receivers in particular, right. that's even more so me. And I think, you know, Aaron Moorhead has done a fine job with some of these guys. But, man, you really haven't seen it this year. Uh, Devontae Smith, I think, came into the league very good as far as running routes. That's why he was drafted. Not, a, you know, the first round of the draft, obviously, not, let alone, you know, top 10 pick, whatever. But when you look at this game and the way it unfolded, I continue to see, and really this season, the way it unfolded, I continue to see these these technical plays, these technical mistakes being made by wide receivers who I think have a guy that's supposed to be pretty good with wide receivers in the way that uh, Nick Sirianni talks about his time as a wide receivers coach. And then also Aaron Moorhead, who the Eagles retained after uh, the Doug Peterson era. So for me, that's one of the things I look at. I just go, hold on a second. Am I nuts? Like this is something that should be technically sound considering the guys that are working with these players. So to me, that's just something I continue to bang my head against the wall. Mm-hmm. Get those mistakes out of your system now, five games into a season, instead of a game number 12, 13, 14, when it gets down to crunch time. And who knows? Who's to say this Eagles team won't still be in a race then? You don't know. Mm-hmm. We think Dallas is the odds-on favorite to win this division right now, but there's a lot of football. Health, health comes into play in a huge way uh, down the stretch. So you, you just don't know. So – you know, make sure make sure you learn from these mistakes. Store these away. Keep this piece of film so that you can bring it out time and time again throughout the course of the season just to remind these guys, okay, this is the cans and cannot do's when it comes to running these pick plays and these rub routes and so on and so forth. You know, because mm-hmm. if you're making them in week 15 and week 16, then shame on both of you as a coach and as a player. At that point, you're no longer a rookie. So if it's a younger player doing it, you're not a rookie anymore. You should know better. A proven player, no question about it. A proven player should know better than that. 
uh, and it cost them early on, but luckily it didn't cost them at the end of a game. All right. So the moral of this story is no, I'm not crazy. Thank you. All right. No, 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 I didn't even no. say that. No, I didn't go that far. No, no, no. Uh, no, I still think you're a little off. I think I think you need oh. to be evaluated. A little off. A little, a little off. off. Okay. Yeah. Be evaluated. Watch my finger. Anyway, yeah. so um, uh, we got John McMullen coming up, and you know what? I still have to get to this one player. We haven't even mentioned the other side of the defensive side of the football. But uh, joining us right now from the stadium, and he's brought to you by the great people of uh, First Trust Bank. He does a phenomenal job with them as well. You can check out the Jacob Media YouTube channel tomorrow morning for Birds 365 with Johnny Mac and Jody Mac as well. First Trust Bank, the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. Johnny Mac, how are you, brother? Uh, I'm doing well. How are you guys? Uh, we are. We're feeling pretty good after that little come from behind victory. Let's talk about the the positive first. When push came to By shove, the way, the, real quick before yes. you start, Mark, you, you didn't talk about the defense. How do you not talk about the defense? Oh no, 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 no. The, the defensive player, the specific defensive player. Oh. Yeah, there's one one guy that I, we haven't even mentioned yet, and maybe you will. But uh, to talk about the positives, let's start with that defense. It seemed like everybody was stepping up and making plays in this game for four four quarters of football. It was a complete game by the defense. Did you notice anything specifically from Jonathan Gannon's scheme that had these guys in a better position to make plays? Uh, No, they they switched up a little things, but the biggest thing, and I've been talking about it all week, is the difference between Patrick Mahomes and Sam Darnold. That's the biggest thing. And that was going to be self-correcting. And it turned out exactly that way. Uh, but getting the turnovers, obviously, they were a little bit more aggressive typically than they usually are. But again, that relates to the quarterback. They weren't confident blitzing Patrick Mahomes at all. Uh, they did a little bit more against Sam Darn- Darnold. Uh, Darius Slay uh, traveled a little bit more. So they did some different things. But it all comes down to the offenses and the fact that they thought they could do these things against the Carolina Panthers. And it turned out to be correct. Hey, John, um, what what was Sirianni's thoughts on the way his offense sputtered for almost three full quarters in this game? Yeah, I mean, he, he wasn't happy. He was obviously ecstatic, thrilled about the win, and, and they were able to come back and make some big plays when they needed to make some big plays. And I think in a lot of ways that kind of defines Jalen Hurts as a player. Uh, you know, to use a baseball analogy, maybe he didn't have his best stuff today, but he was able to make plays in certain circumstances that got him over the top. And I think that part is what you take from from his performance today. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Carolina was very, very aggressive. Uh, and they were taking away those bubble screens and, and those swing passes. I mean, they weren't working at all. And it was right. just ugly, ugly, ugly. In a lot of ways, it was watching football on Saturdays when you see that kind of offense struggle, and it can look really bad. But all of a sudden, you know, crap, crap, crap turns into good stuff late when you get the big play from Quez Watkins, and then Jalen Hurts kind of pulls the football uh, and gets a couple, not monster runs, but big runs that turn this football game. Uh, and then the defensive line was just tremendous today. You know, three sacks doesn't do justice. They had constant pressure on Sam Darnold. He was uncomfortable at all times. uh, And he just had a really, really poor performance. Um, So you definitely hang this hat 
on the defense. And don't forget about TJ Edwards block punt. That was that mm. was a big part of this game as well. Sean Bradley had a big uh, aspect mm. of that as well. So it was a true team victory, but certainly the defense kept them in the game. Yeah, I want to talk about the offense, though. Uh, I mean, I know Jalen Hurts didn't play amazing or well, especially at the start of the game through even the first three quarters. But uh, how much of that can be attributed to the offensive line musical chairs that you've dubbed it, John, uh, with Jordan Mailata switching sides and coming back from injury? Did that play a role in anything? Well, I think it plays a role because anytime you have that many different and, and you look at from Carolina's perspective as well, they had to move their right tackle to left tackle and insert a rookie at right tackle. Um, so anytime you have those kinds of issues and this is, you know, we talked about it last year, the, the Eagles set an NFL record for most different offensive line combinations. Mm -hmm. And here we are today and they've already used four and five games. Yeah. And we thought to ourselves, well, that possibly can't happen again year after year, but it has happened again. And that's sort of where we are as far as this offensive line goes. They tried. I think they went about it a different way. In the past, Jeff Stoutland has said he doesn't like moving parts. Um, and if it's just about replacing one position, but you saw what they did. They're trying to get the best five players on the field. And I'm and Jordan Mailata has to go to right tackle. Andre Dillard stays in, and Jack Tris, Driscoll has to kick inside. It's not as good as Lane Johnson and Brandon Brooks and Isaac Sayamalo, but sure. it, it's it's better than the depth of most teams. So that's a strength of the Eagles that they can still be competent on the offensive line despite all those changes. Do you sure. think we'll see them go back, or at least Jordan Mailata? I don't. I know we still don't know about J Lane Johnson for Thursday, but we'll see Jordan Mailata go back to his usual side for Thursday's game against the Bucks. Well, I mean that that's all wholly dependent on when Lane Johnson returns. Yeah. I, I doubt it's going to be a short week. Um, you know, when Lane does return, if Lane returns, um, he'll be the right tackle, and Jordan will be the left tackle, and that's when he'll go back. But until uh, Lane Johnson is back in the mix. Uh, Jordan's going to be a right tackle because <clears throat> he's a better right tackle than Andre Dillard. So it comes down to um, what's your best combination? Is is your best combination um, Jordan Mailata at left tackle, Josh, mm. Jack Driscoll at right tackle, Nate Herbig at right guard? The Eagles <clears throat> said no. It's Andre Dillard at left. It's It's Jordan and kicking Jack Driscoll inside. I think they will keep that that lineup until uh, Lane Johnson returns, barring mm -hmm. another injury. Mm -hmm. uh, speaking of John McMullen, John, uh, just post-game as far as what Nick Sirianni had to say and Jalen Hurts had to say as far as the offense went for the vast majority of the game, not exactly their best showing. Closed it out well, of course. They got great field position. But overall, what was their message about how the team performed offensively speaking? They gave a lot of credit uh, to the Carolina defense and how they schemed it up. And they really oh. they really are fast and, and athletic. And that's what you kind of kept saying. Okay, when is the adjustment coming? And I thought it came too late, to be honest. Uh, but ultimately, it didn't. And they were able to get over the hump, uh, do a lot to uh, the, de the, the defense, the turnovers, the block punt. I think if they didn't have those big plays, 
they probably don't come back in this game because they made the offensive adjustments a little bit too slow. But when they're coming up and they're forcing the issue with those bubble screens and those swing passes, you know, that's where you, even if it doesn't work, that's where you have to show you're willing to throw the football down the field to sort of uh, stop them from just coming up and selling out and, and doing that. I thought they made that adjustment too late, but the other units were able to pick them up and it wasn't too late. John, you think this could be a turning point for this team right now? I can't say that with Tampa coming in uh, on a short week. Uh, I I do think it's one of those wins that can do a lot for the confidence of of Jalen Hurts and the fact that, you know, the only stat that matters in this league is wins and losses. It really is. So, you know, Jalen Hurts' numbers in the first four games are – pretty darn good um but they weren't winning they won one game obviously um here his numbers aren't great but they found a way persevered i think nick threw out dog mentality three times at us Uh, (laughs) they they persevered in in a very difficult circumstance it was 15 to 3 the offense was doing nothing it looked like all hope was lost and they kept chugging along. And I think that does mean a lot. Um, you know, if Tom Brady shows up and throws five touchdowns again, it's mm-hmm. not going to mean much in the short term. But I, I do think it could mean something in the, in the long term. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just keep winning. I mean, November 28th is when you start to get back into the NFC East. Other than that, you're going to have some tough games. You got one game coming up against the Lions on a, on a, on a longer week of rest because they're obviously going from Tampa. Then they play the, the Lions in Detroit. Um, or excuse me, they play in Vegas before that. So you have a tough stretch still. But November 28th is just you're trying to get as many wins, steal as many wins as you can before you get to those divisional games. So that's at least what I'm looking at schedule-wise for this team. Uh I've, I've made a point earlier, John, about these wide receivers, and I just can't take seeing these penalties in the red zone, in the end zone, really, where you see now two straight weeks uh, a touchdown being taken off the board because of a bad rub route, essentially, that's trying to be run, just trying to get in the guy's way as opposed to blocking him. How is this being coached up? Did they talk about that at all post game? You know, if Nick didn't get asked that, he'll probably get asked that at some point this week uh, because too much happened after that, and obviously they they ultimately won the game. I, I do think there was a – Zach Ertz ran a rub route in the middle of the field. Uh, I think Kenny Gainwell converted. Um, you know, it wasn't a big play in the game, but he ran it perfectly. I mean, perfectly. Just put that up to the young receivers and show them how to do it. Um, and it, it's a little bit troubling because, obviously, Nick Sirianni has a history of uh, coaching wide receivers. He spent a lot of time with the wide receivers in training camp. And I got to tell you, for fans who were upset about that J.J. Ortega-Whiteside penalty last week, and it was Greg Ward this week, man, those are penalties. Those, mm-hmm. those those are yeah. penalties. Yeah. And uh, Jason Kelsey on the field was upset, and Nick Sirianni was upset. Uh, during the week they weren't because they saw it and they realized what happened. Um, yeah, it's got to stop, and that's the kind of stuff where, you know, in the case of Greg, he's been around for – he's got more experience than any other receiver on this team. Uh, so he's got to know how to do that better, or you got to 
you got to put it in the back pocket, not run it. But it's such an easy play. Every team in this league runs it. It's a pain in the you-know-what for the defense uh, because, you know, I, I always joke, Mark, you called it a rub route because you're an offensive guy, evidently. Defenses call it pick routes because it's right. a pick. Right. Um, and they get really upset about that. But it, every team has it. Every team uses it. Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers probably uses it to perfection the best. Mm-hmm. Um they got to get better at it. Has Nick Sirianni addressed at all kind of the inconsistencies and, and being out of rhythm where it seems one game our offense is hot, the next game our defense is hot and offense is cold, and no one ever seems to be playing in unison and all be having a, a good game at one time? Has he addressed that or has anyone asked that in these post-game pressers? Well, I think a lot of it is, you know, I, I screamed from the highest mountain all week about the defense. It, it's, you know, people did not give credit to the opposition. Mm-hmm. I think Kansas City came in to this week, the second-ranked offense, Dallas had the third-ranked offense in the NFL. Now we all know Kansas City has the best offense. That's going to be number one. When you play those types of teams in the modern NFL, you're going to give up yards. You're going to give up points. That's that's how this league works uh, today. And when you play the Carolina Panthers, and you know this, Devin, this is the first time I picked the Eagles to win all year. Uh, it is. On your it is. Show. I was going to get to that. <laughs> uh, Finish uh, your I'm, thought. I'm we'll get to that. Others. Yeah. And, you know, it was because defensively I knew they were going to show up. They, I knew they were not going to play better. Not because they were going to do a bunch of different things. Not because they were going to change personnel. But because Patrick Mahomes wasn't out there and Dak Prescott wasn't out there. It was going to get better, and it got better. I I will say I am still concerned with the Eagles' run defense a bit. Uh, they don't seem to have any solution to that, and I honestly don't know what the solution is. But back to your point, John, you did say that this was the first game that you confidently picked the Eagles to beat the Panthers. And your final score prediction that you said I would not remember, I did remember, was 23-22 to 22 Eagles. So you weren't that far off, 21-18. to 18. Yeah, I was pretty close. Not too bad. I, I, yeah, I, I thought I had a good beat on this game, rare as it may be. And it turned out I, I wasn't, I'm not going to lie to you, I wasn't too confident when it was when it was 15 to 3. Um, but it kind of un, unfurled the way I thought it would. Uh, and I thought Sam would make a lot of mistakes, and he made a lot of mistakes. I thought the defensive line would take advantage of Carolina's offensive line, uh, which is probably the weakness of their team. And you saw Fletcher Cox. Now, you know, he showed up today. Um, they only had three sacks, but, man, they had so many pressures, um, mm-hmm. which is more important. Um, Brandon Staley talked about this week, the Chargers head coach. Um, you know, sacks are, are things people get excited about, but to coaches, the more important thing is making the quarterback uncomfortable. And when you do that, all of a sudden, he throws those terrible passes like he threw when Steven Nelson picks it off late. It's so many good things happen. So the defensive line, to me, controlled this game, and, and that's pretty much you know how it went. Hey, John, speaking of the defensive line, did you guys have the good fortune of hearing from uh, Fletcher Cox after this game? Um, 
No, I'm sorry, Derek. Did you say, did we talk to Fletch? Yeah, were you guys able to talk to Fletcher Cox after this game just to get his thoughts on, on all of the stuff that had been said about him uh, this week? And he responded by saying, I know what kind of player I am. I don't, I don't care what anybody says about me. And he went out and he had a sack. He had a big sack today. But I didn't know, you know, with, with the NFL protocol being what it is right now in terms of having limitations on talking to certain players, I didn't know if he was one of the guys they would bring out to talk to you guys. Too. Yeah, he was not, unfortunately. You're right. I would have liked to talk to him because he was yeah. one of those guys during this week. And he kind of intimated um, that he wasn't necessarily happy with some of the uh, some of his reps when he's playing the four eye technique which is more of a two-gap instead of a one-gap. Right. And I said, you know, Fletch has had a ton of success playing three technique for Jim Swartz where he was just told, you know, go get the pass or go wreck the game. Yeah. Yeah. And to be honest, that's a lot of fun for a defensive lineman. And he made whatever, you know, he's six-time pro bowler, made five. You know, from his perspective as a veteran player, He's like, okay, this is what I do well. This is what I'm successful at. Why am I not doing that? And, you know, I knew Jonathan Gannett's history. I knew he comes in from, he learned under Mike Zimmer, who uses a very uh, disciplined pass rush, and he urges, he's another guy who's not big on sack numbers. He just wants to make sure you stay in your pass rushing lanes. Right, right. And that's not as much fun. Bill Belichick does it the same way. It's not as much fun for players, but, you know, if it works and you win football games, everything tends to fall into place. So if the Eagles start winning games, I think Fletcher will be fine. Yeah. Winning, winning cures all. No question. About it. <laughs> sure. Uh, John, were you close to the Eagles locker room? Was it just press conferences again, not in the Eagles locker room? Yeah, I mean that's COVID world. We're not yeah, allowed right, okay. in the right, locker room right. anymore. Yeah, that's what so. I figured. Are, yeah. Were you near the locker room? Could you hear the players? Like what what the overall reaction was to being able to still get this win despite how the other you know three and a half quarters went? Oh yeah, they were thrilled. Uh, well, yeah. number one, more more people are willing to talk, and they come out a lot oh, <laughs> quickly. Yes. Oh yeah, when, yeah, yeah. When, when they when they win games. Um, and then when they lose games, you, you probably get four or five people, and that's it. And everybody's <laughs> on the bus trying to get out of there. But, yep. um, yeah, I mean, they were they were very excited. I, you know, I, I go back to halftime and really started with Jake Elliott's field goal. I don't want to go overboard. If you think about 2017 and Jake Elliott kicking the 61-yarder against the Giants, everybody thought that was sort of the launching point. Uh, for the Super Bowl run. That's not going to happen here. But that kick uh, was really, really big. Um, and that got them starting. They got to say, you know, as poorly as they played in the first half, they knew they were in the game. They knew they were playing a quarterback susceptible to making mistakes. The defense was playing well. And I think they never thought they weren't going to win this game. And that's that's rare when you play that poorly in the first half. Right. Well, uh, I was uh, overall impressed with how they closed this game out and very impressed with the way the defense played it all uh, played uh, throughout the game, uh, but not nearly as impressed as I am with you every single week, John McMullen. Thanks for joining us on the, the live post game show. How do you like that one, my friend? Uh, Johnny Mack. I love it. 
My man, thank, yeah. thank you so I much for joining us. that in the press box for talking too loud, too. So, <laughs> there we have it. All right. Well, tell everyone we said hello. Thanks for joining us, brother. All right. Thank you. <laughs> See ya. John McMullen joining us here on Live Post Game Show. Uh, I didn't know that John picked the Eagles. Look at that. Look at that. He's uh, op- all optimistic all the time now, all yeah, of a sudden, that yeah. guy. <laughs> Sunshine and rainbows, always. Yeah. Look at that. Um, hey, just before we go to break, to, to kill the suspension, because I teased it like an hour ago. There's I one know. player. There's one player we didn't mention yet. Can I guess? Ooh, don't, don't ooh. tell me the punter. Do not tell me the punter. No, oh, he, he actually didn't have a good game. Yeah, he had that one little <laughs> boot. He was afraid of getting yeah. it blocked. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Actually, I think he made a really good adjustment. If a punter can make an adjustment, I think he made a good adjustment on that because it would have been blocked and gone yeah. the other way if he didn't right. actually do what he did. Right. But um, that's how good he's been. He like makes one mistake, and we're like, ah, oh, terrible game. Uh, Jake, Jake Elliott uh, uh, on fire in this particular game. Fifty, what, fifty-eight yeah. yard field goal? Good for him. Yeah. Uh, and then you also saw the the, the, the punter made another Cypros. Uh, uh, also, Cypros uh, actually made a great uh, adjustment, yeah. if you will. He also had another one inside. I think the six yard line. Uh, but Devin, do you want to take a guess? The one player we haven't mentioned yet. I don't know. Now I'm scared because I kind of forget the parameters that you set. Um, oh, just on the defensive side of the ball, we haven't mentioned him yet. I'll mention it right here before we go to break. Uh, Josh Sweat. Oh, I would have gotten it wrong. I was going to say Alex Singleton. Mm. Alex Singleton let him in tackles, had a bonehead penalty that I'm sure he'll call a boneheaded penalty. Uh, Let the team in tackles again. And I will say this. I think they had a deep safety, so maybe it wasn't a a, a touchdown-saving tackle. But there was one play in particular made by Hubbard where they ran to the outside, and I thought, oh, here he goes. And Alex Singleton came across the field. I think it was a third and short. To say to save, I thought a touchdown. I think they had a deep safety on the particular play. We didn't see the all twenty-two angle, but he made a phenomenal play on that one particular play. A uh, particular play, but the other one with the bad penalty. Uh-huh, thanks, but no thanks. Uh, <laughs> when we come back, we'll focus a little bit more on the offensive side of that ball. Evaluate the quarterback himself in Jalen Hurts, and also talk about some other guys of this defense that really stepped up in this particular game. That's when we return here on the live post game show, which, by the way, is brought to you by the great people uh, of. Ocean Casino. Uh, Make sure you check them out. Ocean Casino Resort. Ocean Casino Resort. Go for the win. Book your next weekend right there. More live post-game show when we return. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glass is for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rip... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. 
when it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Welcome back, live post-game show. Mark Farzetta, Derek Gunn, Devin Caney, John McMullen just joined us. Trey Thomas joined us earlier from an Eagles bar in Florida. He's coaching down there at IMG Academy, the offensive line. So as you would assume, they're pretty dominant anyway. Uh, but uh, even more so with Trey's coaching. And he was uh, enjoying the Eagles win, as were a lot of people down there uh, in the uh, the IMG area of Florida. Uh, we, were, we were talking a lot about the Eagles defense, giving them a lot of praise for how well they played this game. And I think John McMullen summed it up best. And it's, a, it's a great point, but a point needs to be made. It was a defense playing the way they should play against Sam Darnold. I mean, Sam Darnold played very well this season. The Panthers themselves were 3-1. and one. They didn't have their best offensive weapon in Christian McCaffrey. Uh, but you barely had Robbie Anderson make a huge impact on this game, This, which was great. You had Avante Maddox made a great play on a ball, a deep ball thrown, underthrown mm-hmm. by Sam Darnold, but still Avante Maddox came up and made that play. But overall, you saw the defense do exactly what they should do against this Panthers team. And look, I always believe this. You are what your record shows you are. It's mathematically proven that's what it is. You're, you're, there's no way you're not three and one if you're three and one. However, there's a solid three and one, or there's like an adorable three and one. And the Panthers were an adorable three and one coming into this. They had wins against the Saints, they had wins against the Jets, for instance, wins against the Texans. So, yes, they were an adorable three and one, as I like to refer to it. Uh, but overall, the defense, when you're called upon to make plays, made plays throughout this game. And when you talk about what coaches always say about their players, I'm going to make sure that these players are the best possible position to make plays. That was true today. And on the other side of it, special teams as well as defense did whatever they could to make sure that they put their offense in the best possible position to make a play. And more often than not, the the Eagles offense didn't do it, but they did it in the clutch. They did it when it mattered most, which was down the stretch. I don't know if it was just the confidence of being able to move the football. I don't know if it was relying on the run a little bit more than they had done throughout the game, but something started to click for this offense late. Gunner, do you think it was do you think it was field position for this team? Or do you think it was finding a way to balance that run to pass ratio a little bit as the game was going on? Um, I think it was a combination of a lot of things. I, I think it was a, a defense that did not uh, just break in, in, in shambles. I think it was the fact that this was also a defense that only had two turnovers, had created two turnovers in the first four games. They got three in this game. 
Uh, the special teams hadn't done much. The special team gets teams gets a huge play in this game. An offense that basically had kept this team in games the last couple of games that sputtered for three quarters, all of a sudden woke up in the fourth quarter and finally took advantage of what the defense was doing to help them out and put them in short field situations. Mm -hmm. So I think it finally came together at the most opportune time. It didn't come together for the entire game, but it came together when you needed it most in a game. Because as, as I said off the top of this postgame show, this very easily could have been a blowout. The way this game was unfolding, this very easily could have been a blowout in favor of Carolina. If Carolina had any potent type of offense, we'd be sitting here talking about another Eagles loss. But obviously, you know, when you talk about who Carolina has stacked up their wins against, um, you know, and you are what your record says you are, you're right. You're, you're a team that won three games against average competition for the most part. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm not saying Eagles in any way, shape, or form are an above-average team, but they're in a team that they kept fighting and kept themselves in the game, and they proved that, you know, if you, if they don't let a game get out of reach, you have a shot against a team like Carolina because Carolina is not one of these put-you-away type offenses. We're not talking about a Kansas City offense, a Tampa Bay offense, you know, a, a Baltimore offense that can put you away at any given moment. Uh, we're, we're talking about an offense – in Kansas, in, in, in Carolina, that it, it streaks. The quarterback mm -hmm. plays in streaks. And if you can stay within striking distance and get a few br breaks, as the Eagles proved in this game, you can somehow, some way, find a way to win a game. Well, when you talk about records, I mean, I don't want to say the Eagles have the, like, what was the way you phrased it, Mark? Like, adorable. Oh, you know, adorable. Yeah. I, I don't want to call yeah. the Eagles. <laughs> Eagles definitely don't have an adorable record, but I will say – it's a frustrating one because there are games, even against the Chiefs, we had three touchdowns called back mm -hmm. because of penalties where I wouldn't say that our record reflects uh, the way that we've been playing. In this game, I would have said so because mm -hmm. we were not playing well. And like Derek, you just mentioned, it did seem. And that's why when we finally narrowed their lead to two points, it still yeah. didn't feel like it was that close because no. they were playing like it should have been a blowout. And thankfully, <laughs> our defense kept us in the game. Um, and our offense was able to come back and actually start playing well at the end of the game. But, uh, I mean, in terms of the offense, I still don't feel like I'm seeing enough plays. I know we talked about the run game, the run game, but sure. I want to talk about the passing game because I still don't feel like we're seeing enough of Quez Watkins and even Devontae Smith. I don't know if you guys agree or not. I want to get your thoughts on that. Uh, no, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I'll, I'll say that I feel like Devonte Smith's catches come in bunches. Like I know, like, mm -hmm. it, it, I, like I'm a big, huge baseball fan, so like I, I watch a lot of baseball. I mean, not that I don't watch football, but like you'll see guys in baseball that hit like all of a sudden two weeks, like they don't have any home runs, and then a week goes by, they got five. Like it, yeah. like it happens in bunches. Devonte Smith is just like that in football in terms of he gets his catches in bunches, and I. Sometimes I don't think that's the best thing in the world. Sure, get the ball in the hands of, uh, of a playmaker. He had a bad fumble today. He's got to be stronger with the football. Notice he was two-handed that the rest of the game. But when you saw him play in this particular game, it was another example of getting those catches in bunches, which I think makes you look at the quarterback zeroing in, zeroing in on a target. Sometimes that's not the best thing in the world. But if he's making plays, you got to feed the beast. And he was the beast again in this game for about four or five plays in a row. We saw it, I think it was against Atlanta. You first saw him make about four or five catches in a row after he had a good block on the outside. You saw it a little bit, but not as much against San Francisco. Saw it again last week. That This particular game, the way we were seeing it uh, unfold, 
you saw again in the third quarter those like those spurts, those bursts, if mm-hmm. you will, where all of a sudden you looked up and oh wow, Devontae Smith now has seven catches for 77 yards. That's impressive. Right. You saw that start to happen with him. I, I think it's a good thing for him. It's a great thing for him. I'd like to see him more, but it's just odd for me when I continue to see. It's a great thing to have that rhythm, but when I continue to see that type of zeroing in and not scanning the field, that's where I might start to have a little bit of an issue with it. But overall, I'm not going to take a negative out of him starting to dominate a stretch of a game because you need that from somebody in this Eagles receiving court to step up and do that. See, I've, I've said time and time again, I don't think they utilize Quez Watkins enough. Yeah, you I know? agree. And, and I think even on slant routes, get him in a seam on a slant route, give him some more bubble screens. And obviously take your deep shots. He's the fastest guy on this team. And as we see, he can get separation at any given moment. You know, and if your play action is working, especially if your running game is working, boy, does that set up the play action game in terms of getting a a wide receiver like a Quez Watkins in one-on-one situations with a cornerback or safety. We saw what happened with Tyreek Hill last week in terms of how Kansas City effectively ran the ball. The Eagles couldn't stop it. All of a sudden, they go to a play a play action play in in the fourth quarter, and Tyreek Hill is streaking across the field wide open. Same thing with Quez Watkins today. The Eagles were running the ball a little bit better, a little bit more. All of a sudden, they go to that play action. Here goes Quez Watkins. They sucked up the Carolina defense. They got the one on one isolation over the middle. All of a sudden, boom, fifty four yard reception. So you know, I don't I don't think you want to make Quez Watkins just a one trick pony in terms of a a guy who's running uh, you know go routes all the time. I think your skill set is such that you can utilize them in different directions, but you have to get the ball in his hands. You know, this this young man has the capability of, of being a feared weapon every time he steps on a football field. And but mm-hmm. you 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 can't just do it sporadically. You know, you got to give a defense something to think about earlier in a game. Even if you go deep to him a couple of times and it's incomplete, that's in the back of the mind now of a defensive coordinator and a defensive player himself that this guy may go past me at any given moment. And when you when you get a guy thinking that, it, it could take them out of their game a little bit because they're so focused on this one guy, they miss some. They may miss something else in other areas of the field that they're they're normally watching. Yeah, uh, real quick on that as well, Gunner. I think you have a play in your head specifically, and I was trying to think of it as well. Yeah. And it was right before the half, and Jalen Hurts. I think he went to Ertz underneath on a play when Quez Watkins was streaking down the sideline oh, wide open. Woo! Yeah. Yes. And that was the play the camera caught it. I thought it was perfect. And yeah. you didn't see Quez Watkins open deep because, again, it's not the all-22 angle. But you right. see Jalen Hurts put his hands on his head going, yes. oh, no. And that's yes. where they flipped, they flipped back to the uh, – I think it was uh, Skycam. And you could see how open Quez Watkins was uh, down the field. So, yeah, that, yeah. That, yeah, that was a play that I looked at also and went, oh. He... Now, I, I couldn't tell right, if it right. was – just an earth like that, like everyone converged on Earth because of the throw, or if it was simply because it was busted coverage. The way they were talking about it during the game, I think Greg Olson even mentioned it as well. It was it was busted coverage. Um, I would agree with that. I mean, yeah. you know, we've seen that happen. Um, uh, Carolina has some busted coverages today as well. Um, but man, when you're sitting back there, when I saw that play, I'm going, "Oh my goodness!" You know, you talk about a sure six. Um, but again, it happens. It's a learning tool. And that's something they've got to add to their repertoire. If 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 people are going to start converging on your tight ends, uh, especially if the tight ends are, are, are winning battles on up and out routes, out in the flats, then you've also got to say, okay, I'm going to have my wide receiver fake a dig route or an in, an in route and have them take off. 
Because once a Quez Watkins, a Jalen Rager, a Devontae Smith get behind that guy, if the quarterback's if the quarterback is on point, once he launches that ball, it's too late for a DB to recover. Now he may recover in time to make a tackle, but that's a big game play, and, you know. And you've got you've got to go back to the drawing board and find out how to get that in your playbook even more so because those are home run hitter type plays, especially when you have speed on the outside. Yeah, yeah, I would I would a thousand percent agree with that, and would love to see Eagles exploit that a little bit more. Uh, and that's what again, that's when you help yeah, your yeah. your passing game by actually running the football. Mm. And I, <laughs> I I took note. Uh, I think it was before the first touchdown of the game for them. Uh, it was 33 to 11 run to pass. They had passed the ball 33 times, excuse me, 33 to 10. Right. And they had an outside run with, with Miles Sanders, which was great to see. Then you had a couple of uh, keepers run by Jalen Hurts on that particular drive. And you actually saw them start to gain some momentum. And then I'll go back to this again. You see the play that actually put them over the top where Jalen Hurts is able to run into the end zone for that go ahead score. That was a product of, I believe it was Miles Sanders on the play, running up the middle on the read option that right. was kept by Jalen Hurts. Three different defensive uh, the linebackers Players. and yep. I believe the outside safety yep. uh, actually stayed with Miles Sanders up the middle because yes. you actually started to threaten to run the ball with him. So that's yes. where you open things yes. up for yes. this offense by running the football. So if you're like me and you're sitting at home or you're at the game and you're yelling and screaming and chanting to run the football, that's exactly why we're saying run the football because it opens up so many other things when you don't either ignore it like you did two weeks ago uh, or like you did against the Dallas Cowboys or you would uh, abandon it like we've seen other Eagles coaches do in years past. That's exactly why you do it. Not just to do it, but also so it benefits your passing game later. Didn't, didn't we yell for years, Andy Reid, to run the football more? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Didn't, yeah. We, didn't we yell for oh, years yeah. for Doug oh, Peterson yeah. to run the football more? Years. You're going to keep yelling because I don't think that's a part of the staple. I think they're going to run just enough uh, to give a defense something to think about. I think this is a pass-happy offense first. Mm -hmm. Oh, how, yeah. many how many times do you see Jalen Hurts under center? Everything for him is out of the shotgun. Yeah, and I still can't figure that one out to save my life. Why is 95% of his plays out of the shotgun instead of putting him under center as well? I think we're going to be screaming about this uh, for the duration of the season. Yeah. Um, I, will say, yeah I will say just real quick, The I mean, let's acknowledge this. The NFL's pass happy. Yeah, um, and, and I think we all get that. But when it comes to this particular team – and you yes. have a young quarterback, there are times yes. where you can help him out by saying, hey, you know what, on this yes. play, on yes. this play, uh, Jalen, you don't even have yes. to make a decision. Line up under center, turn around, and give that football. I know, I'm going to bang my head against the wall. But, and hand it to a running back, and then we'll all applaud it. And then we'll yes. just be like, hey, yes. hey, good idea by you guys. Yes, I agree. I was going to say, you know, we did see Miles Sanders run the ball down when I think it, we were under two minutes and the Eagles were trying to to hold on to the ball to hold on to mm -hmm. the lead and Miles mm -hmm. ran out of bounds. So the clock cuts running and it yes. just, it's <sighs> like, so it's like, okay, so you ran the ball and, but it's, you're not doing what we want you to do here. It's actually doing the reverse. So it's like, I feel like that's the most classic Eagles moment right there. Like you're finally listening to what we want and what everyone's been yelling at you to do. And yet it's backfiring. <laughs> yeah. But isn't that typical of what we've had to watch this season since game yeah. one, you know, yeah. oh, absolutely. It's, it's like everything, everything that, that could, that, that you think is going to be a positive is like, there's always some kind of negative attached to it. 
you know, you're sitting yeah. there beating your head against the wall. Can't this team just simplify things? Can't they do something the easy way so that we can just sit back and relax and not have to take medication after a game? Watch they this can't team even. Play? The Eagles can't even score a touchdown now without me kind of withholding my celebration for a good like 90 <laughs> seconds after because I'm expecting See? a flag. And a flag exactly. usually comes. Exactly. <laughs> who's who's the Eagles running back coach now? Is it Jamel? Uh, Jamel Singleton? Is that... Yes. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Yeah, yeah. But Yeah, I, it's, I'm drawing a blank. But whoever it was, I think he was standing on the sidelines with Miles Sanders after he ran out of bounds. And it reminded me of the scene from League of Their Own where like the the no crying in baseball scene, but right before that, Tom Hanks is like, hit the cutoff, man. Hit the cutoff. And it was like, why are you running out of bounds when we're up three points late in the fourth quarter? And Miles Sanders just like, I got nothing on that. Next thing you know, a rookie, a rookie is in there. They give the ball to Kenny Gainwell so he stays in bounds. And he had the wherewithal to stay in bounds. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, hey, the Eagles won, so that's cool. Yeah. Uh, so they get the victory. Despite <laughs> now, now now here's what I will say. And and like I don't feel bad about this because and I got a lot of flack for this last year in the the last couple of games of the Carson Wentz era. I think it was the game I want to say it was the game against the Giants. It might have been the Ben DiNucci game last year against the Cowboys. But um the Eagles were playing terrible throughout and they 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 pulled it out at the very end. I think that was the Boston Scott game where he just went off. So, yeah, it was definitely the Giants then. And I remember saying, I know after close games that you lose, and you could go back to this even last week because a lot of people were saying it, there's no moral victories. There's no moral victories, right? Well, can there be a moral loss? Because there's a lot of instances where they're like, oh, my God, they won. But, God, they were terrible for so long. But, hey, they won. So it's like, is there such a thing? I know there's no moral victories, but can no. there be a moral loss? No. Yeah, no. that's what most people told no, me. But it, no. it stays with me. And I'm still happy no. that they won. And they, they should have won this game. My expectation for them was to win this game. I had them winning 24 to 20. And yeah. I looked at this game, especially not expecting Christian McCaffrey to play. And I said, this is a game the Eagles not only need to win, but they should win. In the first really three quarters of this schedule, you need to find games and find ways to win. Because the way this season is going to end, the way this season is going to go, like I like I, like I said before, up until November 28th, you don't get back into the NFC East. Right. So you have to find ways to win against a team like the Carolina Panthers, find ways to win even out there in Denver, and they're playing – their defense is just off the charts. Yep. But when you also look at the way they play against the, the – possibly uh, playing against the Saints, that should be a winning winnable game. But Vegas is going to be a tough team to go down the Eagles' schedule. We know about Tampa Bay – Go ahead and beat the Lions. That's going to be a, probably a tough game just because it's on the road, but that's a game you should win. Yep. Yep. Sneak out with as many victories as you can in the first three quarters of this season before you get to December, mm-hmm. and you could be talking about a team that could make that push for all of a sudden a playoff berth, not because they're right. some great team, but because they're playing in a crappy division. Absolutely. Simple as that. I couldn't agree with you more. You oh, know, look at and, that. And, 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 but what you didn't think I'd agree with you? I mean, just, 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 <laughs> every once in a while. I mean, I was crazy a second ago. Well, you're crazy, and I agree with you. <laughs> oh, you're a box of assorted nuts. <laughs> no, but no, but you're absolutely right. I mean, and, yeah. and you can't emphasize that enough. You know, you can't allow yourself to get down. And, and you know, a head coach and a coaching staff has to be a mentor, a coach, a teacher, a therapist. You know, a guru. You have to be all of these things to these players, man. You're talking about dealing with. 
over 65 different type of personalities and you're trying to get them to think in unison week in and week out. And in the, the, the margin of success and failure is so small and the margin of um, positivity and negativity in that locker room on a daily basis, not just weekly after games, but on a daily basis is so small and so fragile. And so, you know, you, you got a big, big brother, a father, you know, to a lot of these guys. So, you know, it, it's hard, man, especially with the players of today. This is a different breed of player across the board we're talking about here. It's not like the old school players where, you, ever, you know, everybody gets yelled at. You one gets yelled at, you all get yelled at. You know, I can't tell you how many former players tell me that nowadays when you coach players, you've got to approach guys 53 different ways to get across to them, to get to get them motivated. And I'm thinking through the years, that's crazy that you have to do that. But that's the mindset of a lot of players nowadays. So to keep them all in the same corral so you don't have stray horses busting out of the corral, you know, you've got to come up with, you know, I mean, you may even tell your coaches, okay, you handle these five players over here. You're good at this. You're good at patting players on the back. You're good at yelling at certain players because, you know, they have a tough exterior. I've got to be more of the father figure, the mentor, you know, the mind probe analyst of these guys. You know, you got to have spe- just specialists in coaching. You got to have specialists in terms of how to get the players nowadays, man. It's crazy. But such is the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, I just have to say, what, what, sorry, one what? comment, the J5 yeah. Network said, so is dog mon- mentality back? And uh, that is a great question. I don't think dog mentality ever left. I don't think Sirianni <laughs> ever let that go, despite how terrible they were. <laughs> well, is, according, I, according to reports, I mean, he chewed out, you know, Jonathan Gannon. Right. Um, I did. I, 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 it sounds horrible to say that I like hearing that someone got yelled at, but I was yeah. glad to hear that he did yell at uh, Jonathan Gannon. Yeah, I, oh, I don't blame him. You know, you, you know, you, your guys put on an abysmal performance. Somebody's got to take the heat for that. Certainly. You know, and Certainly. it starts with the coaching staff. You don't want to put these players out there to play. You don't want to move all the chess pieces. So somebody has to take the heat for that. All right, don't forget, uh, the Eagles won a game, so instead of taking away game <laughs> balls, we're going to give game balls. How about that, guys? Yes. And we're going to have another special guest joining us. I just want to remind people that the, the, the good people, of course, of Mesa Law and Associates brought us our own friend John McMullen earlier in the program. Need a tough injury lawyer? Call Mesa and Associates. When we come back, game ball giveaways, as well as talking to our uh, friend of the show, we'll say. Coming up in a minute here on Live Post Game Show. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. The live postgame show is powered by IBEW Local 98. Go for the midnight cares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Welcome back to live post game show. Now, earlier in the show, I asked a question about I wonder what it's like to be at a bar or be a bunch of around a bunch of uh, Eagles fans, for instance. What it's like to celebrate a win like this where they pulled out of the last possible second. Well, look no further than our good friend uh, John Mesa, who just does a fantastic job uh, of everything that he's able to cover with us. Joe, first off, thank you for being a part of this show. Second, I'm seeing the tailgate, the photo of the tailgate. It is amazing. What's it like to experience a win like this for you as a fan's perspective? Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me. Um, It's great, you know, seeing a win uh, after a couple bad losses. It was awesome to have it. And uh, looking forward to Thursday night. It's going to make that tailgate a lot more fun on Thursday night going into the the Bucks game. Real quick, I'm looking at the the, – you're not in the truck now. That's not the truck where you're at, right? That's not like – No, no. I'm home now. I'm sitting in my office. I had to get home because my uh, (laughs) 8-year-old – Wanted to see me before she went to bed tonight. Oh, look hey, at hey, that. Hey, 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 Joe, when do we get invited to one of these tailgates, man? Thursday night, Derek. We'll be out there. We'll be out there by uh, 3 o'clock on Thursday afternoon. You guys come. We're in the N lot between N1 and N2, the upper level of the Jetro lot. Please come. I will actually take you up on that. I yeah, and, and, that. and what's on the menu? What's what's on the menu? I'm all about the food, Joe. You got to know I'm all about the food, man. I got you. I think Thursday night we're going to be having burgers, pulled pork, sausage, Ooh. and we also have a pizza oven in that trailer. So we're Ooh. making hot pizzas. They're coming out about every 10 minutes. Ooh, All not- right. Wow. Well, I will definitely see you now. End lot, you say? Eh? End lot? <laughs> between N1 and N2. Uh, Joe, definitely. Uh, first off, I also want to just say thank you. You're, you're just awesome, and you bring us our uh, John yeah. McMullen interview yeah. each and every week. We really appreciate you getting involved in the show. Uh, so back to that pizza oven for a second. Uh, are you making the pizzas, Joe, or what's happening there? No, not me. I got somebody in there cooking, somebody bartending. I'm trying to enjoy the, the pregame festivities before I go into the stadium. Oh, that's fantastic. Okay, here, here's what I need to know. What is your tailgating drink of choice? Well, it depends on sort of the day and the night. And when we get into the evening, it gets a little later. Sometimes things get a little bit. Uh, harsher but we have two beers on tap in our tailgate and we have a full bar anything you want vodka rum whiskey tequila we have it all all, all right. right well I like so, things get harsher that's uh, a good way to put it uh 
Joe Joe Messa from uh, Messa Law and Associates. What was your top play from this game? What do you look at as as the the one that was the turning point of the big play of this game for you? Um, I think the turnover um, in the fourth quarter was probably the the big turning point. I mean, the Panthers had a you know chance; they were driving there, and um, you know an opportunity to score, and that turnover really turned it around for us. And I think that sealed the game. Um, I, I thought the defense played a good game today after two mm-hmm. weak games. Um, the offense and the play calling, I have to say, uh, I'm still need some work. I think the offense was a little off kilter, at least till, till the last couple drives. Um, I don't know play calling. I haven't been that, uh, uh, impressed with since the beginning. I don't know if it has something to do with the uh, Nick Sirianni never calling plays before and Frank Wright calling the planes plays, but the, uh, the run pass selection, I'd like to see more running the ball early and establishing the run, but uh, all in all, we'll take it. It's a win and hopefully we can build on it. Mm-hmm. Joe. Well, I think you might see all three of us there. As a matter of fact, at the tailgate, uh, in, in the, the, the Nancy, and is a Nancy lot. I got that right. All right. Well, we will, we hope to see you there. Uh, Joe Mesa, Mesa law and associates. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Once again, everybody need a tough injury lawyer called Mesa and associates. Thank you so much, Joe. Yep. Thanks yep. for having me guys. Thanks, Joe. See you Thursday. See you Thursday. You say pizza oven, I appear. That's basically how that happens, right? (laughs) It's like like saying espresso machine. Boom, I just appear. Um, But no, I really appreciate uh, Joe jumping on with this man. That's awesome. Um, And how about that? What a dad has to get home and say goodnight to the little girl. Oh, Good for him. Um, Let's talk about game balls here, folks. It comes to this game. It comes to the way the Eagles played. And you look at the way they played this game. And overall, I think you can pick out a lot of game balls for a game that Really didn't have a lot to cheer about for three and a half quarters. Defensively speaking, different story. But uh, when it comes to game balls, Devin, do you want to take the first one here? Who would you give a game ball to? Easy, Darius Slay. Mm -hmm. 100%. He really hasn't. I mean, I've I've loved Darius Slay as a player. I love his big personality. But we haven't seen him really have a standout game. And actually, it was funny because I I was reminded in our group chat, D-Gun, you sent a tweet that he put out after last week's game where he was kind of shutting down the, like, putting out his own stats, saying, like, stop hating on me, essentially. So maybe he's like Fletcher Cox. And maybe he saw the critiques and he saw everything being said about him online and by reporters and media. And he had a game today. He also just had a kid. So, Mark, like you said, I don't know anyone who has more energy after that, but two interceptions, he showed out. He lived up to big play slay, and I am so happy about it. So, Darius Slay 100% has yeah. my game ball. Big play slay. Uh, Gunner, real quick, before we uh, get to you, I do want to tell people about, once again, Stateside Vodka. You can look at the scroll below and use promo code JACOB, that's J-A-K-I-B, for 15% off a one-liter bottle. Go to statesidevodka.com. Gunner, game ball goes to. I'm going to stay in the uh, secondary as well and give it to Steve Nelson because that play was huge that he made in the fourth quarter as well. Um, it was a definitive play in the game. So, you know, plain and simple, you know, uh, wow, two DBs getting game balls in the same postgame show. Steve Nelson gets mine. All right. Who would have thought? I know. Yeah. Huh? Um, here you go, folks. I think before the season's over, I think Darius Slay is going to get another game ball. Uh, I certainly think the defense get another going to get another interception. And it'll change the tides of a game. Um but uh, when it comes to overall, the guy that we probably won't mention for the rest of this year, 
right. The, the guy that gets the game ball for me is the guy that I think absolutely had the turning point in this game. And my mic keeps freaking out. It's so excited about this game. <laughs> uh, the guy that gets it for me is TJ Edwards. That block punt, huh? they don't yeah. win the game without TJ uh, Edwards. Yeah. I go TJ Edwards is the guy that gets my game ball. Uh, that's uh, I wanted to do game balls just a little bit earlier than normal because this is a quick turnaround, folks. Not just for the Eagles, but for us. Right. So mm. right away, they're going to be playing out on Thursday night against Tampa Bay Buccaneers, against Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who just were incredible today, as per usual. Uh, when it comes to this particular game, I'm going to say this. The Eagle. let's just under this caveat, dot, dot, dot. The Eagles will have a chance to beat the Buccaneers if Derek Gunn? If they don't turn the ball over and if they get their offense going early, you can't you against that offense, against that Tampa Bay offense, you have got to put some points on the board. And I'm talking sevens. You cannot put threes on the board against that Tampa Bay offense, or it's going to be a long night for you. I love it. I love that. Devin, they're going to beat the Buccaneers if they get their penalties under control and Nick Sirianni improves his play calling. Oh, those are two things right there. Okay. Yeah. I like both. Yeah. So far, all things covered. I, I'm a big fan of all of them. Big fan of yeah. all of them. Yeah. The Eagles will beat Tom Brady and the Buccaneers if, here's mine, Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave get at least a sack apiece. Josh Sweat gets in the backfield for a sack of his own. You get some outside contained from a guy like Jannard uh, Avery, who actually showed up today. There was a Ryan Kerrigan sighting, for crying out loud. I'm in this shocked. Game. shocked. <laughs> a like, rare it, Ryan Kerrigan sighting. I, I thought he just retired and didn't tell anybody, but he was actually got a tackle for loss in this game. So uh, you look at this game, the, the thing I look at going forward on the short week, what the Eagles have to do from this week going into later this week, when yeah. they face the, uh, the the Buccaneers, they gotta get pressure on Tom Brady. They have yeah. to be able to get pressure. Yeah. You say it against almost every game you play against Tom Brady. Got to get pressure yeah. on him. But I want to see this again from Fletcher Cox. I want to see it continue from Javon Hargrave. I want to see Josh Sweat continue to take big steps forward in every game I've seen him play. And now again, you look at the way. A guy like Jannard Avery played in this game. That's just bonus material as far as I'm concerned. The one play we mentioned earlier where we had Alex Singleton, we were looking at him on the field, coming with that late hit. You know the guy that set the edge? I thought it was Brandon Graham being out there. You had a guy like Jannard Avery come out, set the edge, and actually made a play turn back inside. It was a great play negated by a bonehead stupid penalty, unfortunately. But have that same type of pass rush, have that same type of pressure Thursday night against the Buccaneers, and you'll have a chance. Yeah. to win that game. That's all I'm asking. Saying we have not a chance. Much. That's not much. Not much. That's, uh, <laughs> any any uh, spice lattes anywhere there, Gunner? No. Absolutely not. No. Absolutely no. not. Don't act like no. you haven't had one on air before. Do no, we have the candle? Devin, do we have the candle? We've got proof? two candles here. She you has know, I literally lit them as they won. If they lose, <laughs> there's no candle. She has okay. her own personal seance cam candle. <laughs> Like I said, I was I was close to a mental breakdown at the end of that game. Like I needed Jeez. to do something to create some oh zen goodness. space in here. That's too funny. Uh, real quick, uh, before we have you blow out that candle, I guess there, uh, I just want to say one more time, thank you to all the great people uh, of uh, Ocean Casino Resort. Doing a phenomenal job with this as well. Book your next weekend at Ocean Casino and go for the win. Devin, are we, we going to blow out the, the, the candle on this yes. week? We are going to... Wish on a win on Thursday. Quick turnaround against Tampa Bay and Tom Brady. One, two, three. 
Got it on the first try this time. There we go. We're all improving. Uh, For Derek Gunn, Devin Caney, to everyone watching on 6abc.com, as well as the Jacob Media YouTube channel, my name is Mark Farzetta. Hey, guess what? We'll see you almost immediately now on Thursday for Thursday Night Football as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers come into South Philadelphia. Will Tom Brady survive the matchup? We'll be bringing you all the post-game coverage that you guys need following that game. Once again, for Devin Cady, Derek Gunn, I'm Mark Farzetta. Thanks for joining us this week. Eagles get the 21-18 victory. Fly, Eagles, fly. See you Thursday night. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rip... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that.